Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, and good to have you back to Maximize Your Influence. We're going to take a deep dive today. Do you repel people? Think again, you probably do, because you're probably that annoying person and don't even know it, because think about it. That person that rubs you the wrong way, that person at work that's annoying, but they don't know it, that person that thinks they're funny, but they're not, that person that doesn't have any social filters, you know what I'm talking about, right? That could be you, that is you. Anybody can get along with people that are like them, that have the identical culture, personality, or age bracket. That's easy, anybody can do that, but true influential people can get along with anyone. But let's take the opposite approach and talk about things you're doing that repel people and you don't even know it. This is episode 345. Hope everyone's having a great week. This was a crazy busy week for me. I did Zoom seminars. So they wanted a live seminar via Zoom. Crazy stressful. Eight hours long. We talked about this before. Multiple computers, multiple cameras, multiple microphones, multiple everything. We pulled it off, but hey, I long for the days where it's live face-to-face again. Because that's less stressful, and I'll just put it a little more fun. It's good to see people's eyes sometimes and just interact and have fun together. Let's kick it off today with a Persuasion Ninja. We've been having quite a few ninjas instead of the blunders, which is good. We'd rather have a ninja than a blunder. So, ninja go. So, I was just driving. It's a short trip. Usually, I'm listening to a podcast or a book on audio. Probably just like you. Kudos to you. So I didn't turn on my phone to listen to something, and the radio hadn't been on, which is a very rare thing. And it was a local store trying to sell their goods. Now, there's another local store, I'm not going to name names here, but another local store that always advertised special 80% off, one time only, which seems like an every weekend sale. And so they were trying to combat that, that 80% off is not a good thing. So how do you combat that? 80% off seems good. Now, the consumer's thinking, wow, 80% off, but 80% off at $10,000 is very different than purchasing something for $2,000, all right? Just like car dealerships will crank up their price and give you 20%, 30% off. It's a kind of standard marketing issue. So they were trying to combat this other local company. So the Ninja is, they said, and everybody knew what they were talking about. They didn't have to name names. They said, look, 80% off a rotten sandwich is still a rotten sandwich. <laughs> which paints a great picture. We talked about a few weeks ago how metaphors and similes and examples just resonate for a lot of people. They're very persuasive, and most people use metaphors or similes, these type of examples, every 20, 30 words, which is crazy, but that's how our brain works. That one sentence creates a visual where you can see it, taste, well, we don't want to taste a rotten sandwich, but you can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, and it's there and it comes alive. In fact, if you're interested in that, episode 339, back in the archives, how metaphors and similes increase influence, go to the archives. In fact, everything you want is at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can hit the archives. You can find about the advanced training at InfluenceUniversity.com. You can send me an email. You can get the free book, Maximum Influence, the new edition, or take your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Pretty simple. 
You can also listen to the podcast, even find places to subscribe to the podcast. So it's sent to you without even thinking about it every week. So that's our blunder. I love it. 80% off a rotten sandwich is still a rotten sandwich. What is next? Well, I always tend to switch up the order a little bit, but this one is our weekly scholarly geeky article of the week. Coming from the Journal of Research and Personality, Science Daily, Michigan State University, and Dr. William Chopik. Here it is. Study shows humans are optimists for most of life. Now, optimism is an interesting thing. If you ever studied Dr. Martin Seligman, he has a whole series and studies and book on learned optimism. It's something we can actually learn and improve and get better on. If you read uh, Laws of Charisma, one of the sections when you look at charismatic influential leaders is optimism. Now, be careful here. There's some of your friends uh, that are probably so optimistic that you want to hit them. You're like, okay, come on. That's a little too much. It's nauseating. But really, we want someone that's optimistic, that has hope for the future. Now, they know there's going to be bumps in the road. They're still looking around corners. They know it's not going to be perfect. But that's the type of optimism that charismatic people have. So let's take a look at this. This is kind of interesting, especially for this time in our lives, this time in the world. They were trying to find out, okay, when are the people most optimistic in life? Is it middle age, the golden age? Does it change? My personal perception was before I read the studies that, you know, as we get older, a lot of times we get a lot more negative and pessimistic. I can see that a little bit in my life. I don't know about you. So they wanted to determine how optimistic people are in life and how the major events affect if we become more optimistic about the future or more pessimistic about the future. And they found that optimism continued to increase throughout young adulthood. And then it started to plateau. Then it seemed to decline in older adulthood. They even found, too, I love this, that even people with fairly bad circumstances who've had tough things happen in their lives were still relatively optimistic about their future. Now, this was done with Americans and Germans and Dutch from the age of 16 to 101 to measure optimism and about their outlook of the future. And they looked at life experiences like marriage, divorce, new job, retirement, changes in health, loss of a partner, loss of a parent, loss of a child. They looked at all these things. Very comprehensive study. In fact, it surveyed over 75,000 people of different cultures. And they found that really hard things like death and divorce really didn't change a person's outlook to the future. So they found that regardless of life's good or bad circumstances, from the time people are 15 to about 60, sometimes 70, they become more and more optimistic, which was opposite of what I thought. Maybe I'm opposite of this curve here. So that was exciting. There's this stretch of life. You become more and more optimistic about the future and your hope in the future. And they said part of it has to do with experiencing success in both work and in life. You know, you find a job, you meet a significant other, you achieve your goals, you become more autonomous, you have more control of your future. So you tend to expect things are going to turn out pretty good. And this is interesting, and you know this to be true if you have aging parents, that as people age into that elderly phase of life, the study showed a decline in optimism. Now, they were thinking maybe it's driven by health-related concerns, knowing that most of your life is behind you. Now, we're not talking about full-fledged pessimists, but they did notice a change. But what's interesting, retirement age is when people start working, they have more time to travel and pursue their hobbies. But surprisingly, people really didn't think that would change their outlook to be more optimistic for life. 
So Dr. Topic found that one of the most profound conclusions of the study was showing how resilient people are in life. A lot of us have these sad and tragic things that happen in life. We get beat up. The universe tests us. When that happens, people don't fundamentally change as a result of these terrible things. And when people are diagnosed with an illness or a crisis, they still tend to stay positive about the future. Now, that's assuming they were already pretty optimistic, but if they're already pretty pessimistic, they probably are on the other side. And I've seen this too. Have you ever been to countries around the world where people are broke? I think they are happier than most countries that have a lot of money. And I've met parents that have lost children who think I would be devastated and destroy your life, that they are happy and they're optimistic. And one of the things we've talked about before when we talk about self-persuasion and mindset is that, you know, we have these events in our life that really test us, that really try us, that are terrible, that are hard to go through. But the reality is, and we see this in people everywhere and around the world, these experiences will make you a bitter person or pessimistic or a better person or more optimistic. That's just how we are. It makes you the victim or it drives you to victory. That's just how it's set up. So that's a powerful thing that you can really take away and understand about this week's geeky article. In fact, a couple tidbits from research done in the laws of charisma about optimism. A, number one, I mentioned already, it can be learned. But the research also shows that adopting an optimistic outlook early in life will add years to your life. You will live longer. When you're optimistic, you have better and stronger social networks and social support. You have more motivation, more persistence, and perform better. On the flip side, pessimistic people tend to look at future experiences in a negative way. And they look at the world as full of bad events. And pessimistic people give up twice as fast as optimistic people. Now, I know it's hard, crazy things in the world, weird things happening, it's easy to be pessimistic. My suggestion to you, number one, turn off the news. That is so negative, it'll suck the life out of you. If it's important, somebody else will tell you. Make a choice to be optimistic. Take responsibility for your life and don't blame. Build on your current success and past victories. Associate with other optimistic people. Watch your self-talk. Another thing that's interesting, staying healthy and exercising and eating right. And work on, when you get in those negative moods, quickly turn it into a positive mood. Let me tell you again, optimistic people are always, always more persuasive than pessimistic people. And that brings us to listener email. Oh boy! Remember when I mentioned your email on the show, you get access to influenceuniversity.com. There's a free membership area. There's silver, gold, and platinum. So if you're already a member, I will upgrade you. This is from Tom from Pennsylvania who will get an upgrade on Influence University from gold to platinum. That's when you get unlimited access to me. Congratulations, Tom. Tom says, I've been going through 101 sales hacks. Now, listeners, so you know, that is just a three to five minute video every day of the science, the tool, and how to apply it. Works very well, especially if you're in sales. But then again, we're all in sales. We all persuade and influence for a living. So thank you, Tom. He says, you talked about rapport on the podcast last week. Thank you for that. It seems that some people I can build rapport. It's instant. It's easy. And the other half, nothing. What's going on? How can I fix this? Well, Tom, that's a great question. Take an ownership and be able to see that because some people you connect with, some people you don't. Some people you have rapport and some people you don't. And that could be just what we talked about earlier. It could be age group. It could be culture. It could be personality. It could be the department that you're in. All these things matter there. But I want to back up with you, Tom, and talk about, and everyone, that what are you doing that repels people? 
Because you tend to persuade others how you like to be persuaded that's wrong. And you're probably doing things that you don't care about, doesn't bother you, that bothers other people. And you know, everyone's a little bit different here. Some people that interview for a job, look at your shoes. Some people look at your watch. Some people are more concerned about what you say. Henry Ford, the automobile tycoon, if he took you out to eat and you salted your food and they were looking at you for hiring you for a, a job, done and done, you were gone. How dare you salt your food without trying it first? That's a sign of weakness. I don't know if it is, but it sure bothered him. So ask yourself, for me honest, do you repel people? Do you drive them away? Do you rub them the wrong way? Now that happens when you don't have rapport. Something you said, something you did, a gesture, a word choice, your tone of voice, your smell, all these things are part of those subconscious triggers. Remember that 95% of influence involves subconscious triggers, that emotion, that feeling. And statistics do show this is going to happen to you. If you're in denial and think everybody likes you, think again. Just because they're nice to you and they're cordial does not mean they like you. So are you offending and upsetting people? And the answer is probably. We all got to work on this. So let's talk about some of those complaints. Because one of the fun things that I get to do is I get to interview people after they've lied to you because they lied to you like, oh, it's too expensive. Some more information. I need to talk to my partner. Let me take this to the committee. Whatever it is, 67% of the time, that's a lie. And it's usually because they did not like you. So what are some of them? Let's just kind of review a few of these. Talking too much. Now, just because you have the gift of the gab and you can small talk with anyone, you can't influence people if you're always talking. You're not really listening to their wants or needs concerned. Did you know the average persuader talks three times too much? They don't know when it's time to shut up and seal the deal. That is a big challenge. And a lot of people don't want to talk. They want to get right to the point. You have to read that right in the beginning. We've talked about that on previous podcasts. Some people want to develop trust first. Some people want to connect first. Some people want to know you're the expert first. There's different things. You've got to read that situation. Another big complaint that's repelling people is your vomit. Very close to talking too much. Where you want to impress your audience with your knowledge and your wisdom. And you've been doing this for a long time. And all those features and benefits. And the challenge is you're not listening again. And you come across as forceful, aggressive, and obnoxious. And here's one that's counterintuitive for many of you. Getting too friendly too fast. Gone are the days of picking something out in their office. Oh, hey, tell me about your golfer. Oh, do you fish? Is that your family? Tell me about that award. Cheesy, high lactose. People don't like that. People see right through your attempts to befriend them. And it usually will backfire on you. And if you talk to these people, they're taking home the trophies and the golf clubs and turning the pitchers around because they're tired of talking about them because every salesperson, every persuader is bringing it up because they were told a long time ago that's a good sales technique. Here's an interesting one people don't think about is getting too comfortable too fast. Isn't that crazy? But it repels people. When you just kind of slouch in your chair, you touch things on their desk, you move something around, you take control of the situation in their office, on their time, in their space, man, respect their things, respect them, and they'll respect you. And one I know you've heard me talk about many times is two old school high lactose closing techniques. Remember we talk about that closing skills is like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. Hello? Here's a challenge. You've tried something before and it worked once, but again, just because it worked once doesn't mean it's a good technique. You could call a thousand people and find one person that's interested by using old school techniques, but it doesn't mean it's the right technique. 
Another one, proxemics, your word of the day. Proxemics is understanding spatial territory and how close you can get to someone before they become tense and uneasy. You've all seen the close talker. If you're a Seinfeld fan, look up Close Talker. It's a great clip. That's a person that just doesn't understand distance and space. And it varies by culture. It varies by person. This could be your dad or grandpa when someone sits in their favorite chair. This could be your personal space. Because we all have these regions or areas where we permit others to enter or prevent others from entering. How about this? Motivated by desperation. That shark in the water, the smell of the blood, they're after to get you. And sometimes people feel that. I've got to make this sale. I've got to close this negotiation. I've got to get this business. I've got to pay the bills. And this desperation is usually rooted in fear. And if you ever feel yourself slipping into desperation mode, you have to ask yourself, what are you afraid of? What's the worst thing that could happen? You've got to remember they can sense that. Because when they sense that desperation, you have to make it happen. And you're overpressuring them. They'll resent you. They're going to harbor negative feelings towards you and never do business with you. That desperation leads to poor decisions, forces unwanted choices, reduces options, and spawns regret. And close to that, too, is fear of rejection. That's part of persuasion. Running away from rejection solves nothing. You just have to know some will, some won't, so what, who's next? You've heard that before. You have to handle your fears appropriately and know that if you have that fear, you become nervous and tense. And what happens with the fear of rejection it inhibits you from getting out there and approaching people and trying to persuade people. So you can hate and fear rejection all you want, but it's still going to happen. That's what great persuaders do. They can get right back into it. They had rejection and they moved on. Your ability to bounce back after rejection is critical as a persuader. It happens. It's real. That's just how it is. Another thing that causes resistance is lack of preparation. You didn't do your research. You don't know what they do. You don't understand the numbers. You just showed up to wing it because it works most of the time. Let me tell you, if you're going to be persuasive, you have to do your homework. If you're not up to speed on the details, if you're uninformed, how can your prospect take you seriously if you're not going to take it seriously? That's knowing your product. That's knowing your audience. That's knowing their company. That's knowing your company. And it's knowing how to adapt to them. And another one Prejudging. Oh, look, they're strange. They're weird. They'll never buy. They won't do it. They're not smart enough. They're fill in the blank. When you do that and you prejudge, it sucks the life out of you, your presentation. You're not going to persuade them anyway. You're losing deals. This is a huge complaint where they're prejudging. You're talking to the wrong person. For example, at a car dealership, they focus on the man. It's the woman that might have the money or is the decision maker. That's going to offend them and they're going to run. You're out of consent when you prejudge them and you don't care about them and you're just going through the motions. you got to give everyone the time, the attention they deserve every time because you really you don't know. When you prejudge, you might be right 50% of the time, but the other 50% of the time you're wrong. You could have adapted to them and learned. And even if they're not qualified, at least you can interact, you can persuade, you can try some new skills, you can become a better persuader. That's part of the process. Quit repelling People, learn to read them. Persuade them how they want to be persuaded. Now, I know a lot of times we talk about the rapport and the connecting and the persuasion and the woo and all the good stuff. But we also got to talk about some of these things you're doing that are, you know, on that margin that are repelling people that aren't causing that rapport. So, Tom, take a look at some of those things. It's easy, again, when they're like you. They have your personality, your style. You can relate to them. 
but as a great persuader, you've got to relate to people that have different beliefs, different styles, different cultures, different age groups, different ways of thinking, different personalities. And I'm telling you, all these things are great. That's what makes the world great. We're all different, but we have to embrace those differences and adapt to those differences. So, hey, appreciate you being here today. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Look at our advanced training and coaching programs. They will change every aspect of your life. Plus, every week, I also post to YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. I take a little piece of the podcast and I maximize it. I supersize it and take a little bit deeper dive. Take a look at that. Also on Pinterest and Instagram under Max Influence. So pick one of the things that I talked about this week. Improve it, adjust it, change it, become better at it. If you want to take the deep dive on 101 Sales Hacks, it's on special this week. Check it out. The link's at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. But improve your influence. Adjust your negotiation. Master your emotional intelligence. Get more people skills. Supersize your rapport. And go out and persuade with power.